Remember Old Vegas where the golf courses were right outside your door? The Casablanca in Mesquite is just like Vegas used to be. Now at bookmesquitegolf.com, you can build your own room and golf getaway starting at $100. Mesquite Golf Packages draw golfers from all over the country to play on scenic and challenging courses. Stay in a deluxe tower room and choose from six golf courses, all within a six-minute drive from the Casablanca Resort and Spa. Build your own golf getaway at bookmesquitegolf.com. Choose from six unique and challenging courses for every golfer. Find the course to match your skill level. The Palms, Falcon Ridge, Conestoga, Oasis Palmer, Oasis Canyons, or Casablanca Golf Club. So pack your clubs and reserve a tee time. Go to bookmesquigolf.com and customize your perfect golf getaway at the Casablanca Resort and Spa. Stay at the Casablanca Resort and Spa. It's just like Vegas used to be. And welcome to Coach's Corner on Drive 969949. I'm your host, Coach Jim Bola, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights lost but ended up tied for first place as the NHL gives you one point for a tie. Then you go into overtime, and unfortunately in the shootout, we went through the first five-minute overtime. No score from either team, went to the shootout, and Minnesota scored. Vegas Golden Knights did not. So Vegas Golden Knights playing down uh, two defensemen as we had Chandler Stevenson. He's serving a three-game suspension. And then Ryan Reeves has an upper body uh, injury. And defenseman Zach Whitecloud has a lower body uh, injury. So Vegas Golden Knights were down on some bodies. So here is uh, Brendan McNabb, Riley Smith, and Pete DeBoer talking about it after the game. Hey, Riley, you guys were down to 10 forwards. And obviously it goes all the way to overtime in a shootout. Um, I guess just how exhausting was that for you guys to kind of grind all the way through that game? Yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal to have to start that way. Um, I think it changes the way we play. Um, you know, I think Minnesota's a good transition team, and um, we kind of got turned into playing their style of game today, um, being with the circumstance. So, uh, you know, we got one point. We would have loved to, but it is what it is. We just have to to move on. It was a tough back-to-back. Last question tonight goes to Brian Blessing, Vegas Hockey Hotline. Hey, Braden. I mean, the game featured everything. Pretty spirited effort. Back-to-back nights for them. They had to travel. Back-to-back nights for you. You're shorthanded. Um, pretty intense game. Are you sensing game 35 of the season? Are you sensing you've reached a point of the season where the intensity levels are really starting to ratchet up? Yeah, for sure. They're, they're just under us and you know, they're all division games this year. So, uh, as games go on, you get closer to that. Pace is going to ramp up and their intensity is going to ramp up. Next, we'll go to David Chain, Las Vegas Review Journal. Hi, Braden. Riley said it, but all things considered, is that a point that you can walk away with okay? Or is there disappointment after a loss like that? Oh, it's disappointing for sure. You want, you want two points, three chances. Um, 
you know, the goalie played well. Uh, you know, it was back-to-back, they travel. So, I mean, if it's tough one to swallow, you always want to get the two points. But it's big that we got one, and, you know, we get it again Saturday. Go to Jesse Granger from The Athletic. Hey, Riley, you mentioned uh, you thought you played their style a little too much. Can you expand on that? Maybe what you, what you thought made it more suitable to their style and what you guys need to do? They're a good transition team, and I think we were just trading chances for pretty much the majority of the game, definitely the second and third period. Um, you know, we had our chances. They had theirs. Um, I think when we're playing our best, we're – playing five-on-five hockey, and we're, we're a little stingier on giving those rush chances. So, um, you know, something that we can look to, to build on and get better for next game. Take a couple more tonight with Braden and Riley. Next question goes to Chris Chapman, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Yeah, hey, Braden. The physical level of that game really seemed to pick up middle of the second period on. Obviously, in overtime, they, they have the penalty where their guy takes out Leonard. Do you kind of foresee that carrying over onto Saturday night's game? Uh, well, they're, yeah, they're a big, big, heavy team. They play physical. It's an intense game. Uh, uh, I thought we did a good job of handling it. You know, they got some, you know, good skilled players that we want to be hard on, take away time and space. We do that. You know, it limits limits chances against. So it's something we want to key on for sure. Final question for Braden McNabb and Riley Smith. We'll go back to David Shane, Las Vegas Reader. Hi, Braden. I know it comes in a loss, but you had scored a goal. It had been a while. Just nice to see one finally go in. And can you kind of take us through that goal a little bit? Yeah, it took long enough for sure. Uh, uh, actually, I don't know who passed it. Maybe it will. Uh, I just wanted to settle it down and get it on net. It went in. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And- Hi, Pete. How often in your career have you had 10 forwards on the bench, and how do you think the group handled that tonight? Uh, it's happened before. Um, I thought we handled it well. It really was a non-issue. Um, you know, it, it, from a coaching perspective, guys are always looking for a few more minutes every night, so uh, it was ni- nice not to have that as an issue. And, um, you know, that's the reality of the salary cap world. You get injuries, suspensions, you know, all the – all the teams that are up against the cap, you look around the league, a lot of them, uh, you know, have nights where they've got to dress a guy guy or two short. So what uh, wasn't an issue tonight. I thought we got a great effort and, uh, you know, just unfortunate we didn't get two points. Next question tonight goes to Justin Emerson, Las Vegas Sun. Pete, last night and tonight are the first time since you've taken over as coach that you guys have lost two home games in a row. Has there been a secret or any sort of key to winning in this building? No, I mean, I can tell you, I I don't remember all the wins, but I can tell you we probably won a few of those games and didn't play nearly as well as we did tonight. So, you know, that's the NHL. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I really liked our effort. I really liked our game. Um, we got contributions from everybody tonight, and uh, you know the crowd was great. And just just one of those nights, we just didn't uh, stick the puck in the net. And you have to give their goalie some credit too. He made a couple unbelievable saves. Go to Christopher Chapman, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Yeah, hi Pete. You you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Those those great saves that Talbot made during the second period. Obviously, Keegan Colasar on the end of a couple of them. 
Is there something maybe you say to him to kind of lift his spirits up a little bit or, or do the guys on the bench maybe say something to kind of pick him up a little bit? Yeah, our bench is really good. You know, they, they see the effort and uh, that he gives every night. And, you know, he's been one of the first guys to jump in and defend teammates uh, on the ice. So he's a popular guy in the room. He, he doesn't need a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, communication from me after he misses a, a shot like that he gets a lot of a lot of feedback from the guys on the bench to keep his head up and stick with it and we've got a good group that way time for a couple more here with pete Bohr. next question for him goes to brian blessing vegas hockey hotline brian pete you mentioned the effort from both teams they had to travel you were shorthanded uh spirited effort from both teams in the truncated schedule you're at the 35 game mark are you starting to see things percolate a little more and in the, in the intensity ratchet up? Uh, I, I think there's definitely a desperation creeping in every night because you can see the, the season finish line. You know, it's still, it's still a little ways out there, but uh, at least it's in sight. And, uh, you know, when that happens, obviously things get ramped up uh, as far as uh, intensity because everyone's fighting for position and, and you can see that you're starting to, to run out of game. So uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Final question tonight for Pete. We'll go back to Justin Emerson with the Las Vegas Sun. Justin. Hey Pete, you said it was a non-issue with the 10 forwards, but I am curious kind of how that goes on the bench for you. How much coaching goes into, is it rolling three lines and trying to get that 10th forward in there from time to time, or just kind of, I guess, what are the coaching challenges that go into having, being down two forwards? Yeah. Uh, that's what we did tonight. We, we rolled three lines and spotted uh, Colasar, uh, you know, depending if I thought a, a guy had an extended shift and was a little too tired or, or uh, you know, needed a breather. So, and, and I thought Coley, when he got in there with whoever we stuck him in with, uh, did a good job creating some energy. Pete, thanks for doing this. That'll conclude tonight's media availability. Bob, quick, the neighbors. There they go again. Jeez, it's like clockwork. Every weekend, he grabs his clubs, she grabs a duffel, and they're gone for the night. And when they come back, they look so relaxed and happy. Where do you think they go? Well, they're not rich, so it must be affordable. Maybe some kind of marriage retreat? Oh, right, with golf clubs? And she looks so refreshed. We could use some of whatever it is. Go ask them when they get back. Well, they're back, and you won't believe it. Surprise me. They've been going to Casablanca Resort in Mesquite on that $99 room and golf getaway. Sometimes they go for the $99 room and spa getaway. They love it. Hey, we could afford 99 bucks, and it's only a little more than an hour's drive. Let's treat ourselves. Book your $99 room and golf or spa getaway today at mesquitegaming.com or call 877-GETAWAY. Casablanca Resort in Mesquite, just like Vegas used to be. Must be 21 years or older. And welcome back to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio 96.9, 94.9. Big announcement yesterday as we had a retirement in, quote-unquote, the best college program in the country from North Carolina. Roy Williams has announced his resignation after 30 years, 
Uh, we've got um, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander of CBS Sports and their comments about this. So we're going to play that for you. Uh, pretty significant. Chris Beard has gone from Texas Tech to Texas. And his dream job, well, we heard that when he left UNLV to go to Texas Tech. So we'll see what happens on that one. But right now we'll go to uh, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander talking about the unexpected announcement of Roy Williams stepping down as the North Carolina men's basketball coach. Williams, a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer and three-time national champion, has retired. Only six men have won at least three national titles. One of them walking away from the sport today. Dead leg. Your thoughts. Well, there better not be another piece of news that breaks while we're doing this podcast. That's my thought, okay? Jeez, what a day, right? What a day. Thoughts on, on Roy. Um, he's the best. Well, first of all, my, my first thought is this. Tell me if you, I tweeted it. If, if you disagree, that's fine. To me, this is the best job in college basketball. Agree or disagree? I think that's right. Yeah. Because of history, location, conference, uh, affiliation with not just Michael Jordan himself, which do, do not ever underestimate that. Never. And the Jordan brand. Um, it, is, it is historic and modern royalty. To Kentucky fans and Duke fans, you obviously have a case. Those three schools are at the table. It's those three, and then it's a slight step down to anyone else you want to mention to that. To me, Carolina is the best the best job in college basketball is open for the first time in 18 years. Second thought, Roy Williams is the best two-school coach in the history of the sport. He was so good at Kansas, and I think some of that got a little bit lost when he was both there and given his success at UNC. The man has been to 13 Elite Eights. He went in 91, 93, 96, 02, and 03 while at Kansas. And then... All the others since 05, obviously, with UNC. He's been to 19 Sweet 16s, three national championships, nine Final Fours. His NCAA tournament record is 79-27 and 27 overall. 903-264 career record. He won more than 400 games at both schools. And before we get into the Carolina job stuff, I do think it's appropriate just to, to really mention at the top of this pod Hall of Famer Roy Williams, one of the 10 best coaches in the history of men's college basketball, and was able to succeed at two of the five best programs in the sport. Probably, I don't want to say save North Carolina, but to our young listeners who don't realize just how bad the situation was at UNC when he took the job to have won a national title as early as 05 when he got there, albeit with some of Matt Doherty's players... I won't ramble too much here, give you a minute to, to speak on Roy, but certainly a unique character. College basketball is highlighted and I think bettered by its diverse group of personalities. Dagum Roy, GP, is, uh, well, he's going to have all the time in the world he wants now to play as much golf as he possibly could. The sport will miss him. He won a national title at UNC in, in year two. Um, went 33-4. and four. That was the 2005 season. Then, of course, uh, wins another one in 2009 and then wins another one, an unlikely one, I think, given the, the talent on the roster um, in 2017. He is undeniably one of the greatest coaches in the history uh, of college basketball. And, 
you know, when we first started doing our Candid Coaches series, it, it might have been the first year. I think you probably know where I'm going with this. We asked, you know, more than 100 college coaches. We granted them anonymity in the, um, uh, you know, in, in exchange for honesty. And we asked who's the most overrated coach in the sport. And the winner of that, um, if you can call it a winner, uh, was Roy Williams. And it, it, it got a lot of attention. And even Roy was asked about it, you know, you know, in a press conference. And listen, you know, those questions, we don't answer them ourselves. We ask them and then we, we record the answers and then we publish the answers. But of all of the things we've ever done connected to candid coaches, that is the one that I regret the most because I think it, it fed into a narrative that just wasn't quite accurate. It, it is true that, that Roy Williams you know, benefited from incredible talent uh, at, at both Kansas and North Carolina, and that when he won at the highest level, it was um, usually connected to NBA player after NBA player after NBA player. But when we published that, it, 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 it fed into a narrative that anybody could do what he's doing if given the jobs that he's had. And I just think that with the benefit of hindsight, at, at least, that's just absolutely untrue. You know, I, I, I don't think anybody could win at Kansas the way he won at Kansas. And I don't think anybody could win at North Carolina the way he won at North Carolina. If we're being honest, and I know Roy would never, um, never say this out loud and, and might not even think it. But Dean Smith couldn't win at North Carolina at the level at which Roy Williams won at North Carolina. Roy Williams is the greatest coach in North Carolina history. Do you think there's even a counter-argument to that? Dean Smith is a good counter-argument to it because he was there longer and amassed more victories, but North Carolina um, did not win as many national championships under Dean Smith as it did under Roy Williams. I mean, Roy Williams, to do what he... And he, would never, he would never accept this. So I get that. I actually did a piece last spring, I guess it was, where I basically looked at every power conference uh, school and said, who is currently coached by their best coach in school history? And, you know, I, I did not list North Carolina with Roy. Uh, I, I, I think Dean Smith, because of what he did to build and make Carolina what it was, would maybe narrowly be ahead. But if you want to make the case there, it's absolutely there. I mean, three rings between 05 and 17. The man went to 30 NCAA tournaments. It's actually kind of a weird ending in that he lost in the first round for the first time in his career this year, a couple weeks ago, and that's the way, that's going to be his last game. It's kind of a, kind of an oddity there, but he finishes uh, just ahead of Bob Knight on the overall wins record. So it's really 50-50, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other for, for Roy versus Dean. I think I would go Dean, and uh, I think it would depend on the generation you grew up in, whether you would prefer one or the other. But the point is, this is why Carolina is, part of why Carolina is so great, Parrish. Uh, it can claim with plenty of room to spare of having uh, been coached by two of the best 10, maybe two of the best five or six coaches in the history of college basketball. There was a time when, if you would have asked me by April 1st, 2021, will Roy Williams be retired? I would have said yes, 100%. Um, he had real you know, health issues. And I, I can't remember the year exactly. I, I just remember that they were opening 
in the Veterans Classic at the United States Naval Academy. And I was there because we were carrying those games on CBS Sports Network. And I spent some time with Roy um, the day before, I guess, what would have been the season opener. And he had you know, sort of opened up and, and explained how much pain, like physical pain, he had been in. One of the things he noted is that in all his years as a men's basketball coach, he had never sat down during practice. Never. He was always up moving around. And that for the first time, you know, in, in the past year, he had had to, you know, have a chair that he could sit down in during practice because he just couldn't physically, you know, stand up anymore. I remember one of the things he said is that he had, you know, we're just sort of small talking. And I was like, so, you know, how you been? And he said, you know, he, he was actually pretty high. He was like, not, not great. He said, I played some of the worst golf on some of the most beautiful courses in the world over the past year. But he was just physically beat down. And at that time, I didn't think he had much left. But the truth is, in recent years, he had, you know, after surgeries and whatever, he, had, he seemed to be doing better. And I think he would tell you he, he was doing, doing better. Uh, but I do think, you know, the changing landscape of the sport Probably tequila embajador is the best way to celebrate the big game. That's the Las Vegas way of celebrating. Every sip of tequila embajador gives you that feeling that every weekend is one long holiday weekend. You can always make the right play call if you're in Las Vegas by celebrating big plays with a glass of tequila embajador at Michael T's Embajador Happy Hour daily between 4 and 6 p.m. The official tequila for Michael T's steaks, ribs, burgers, and sports bar at the corner of Warm Springs and Tenea. Big games, big weekends, great fans celebrate with Tequila Embajador. And welcome back to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network. If you are in town on April 16th, got a fun event for you to go to. So FanFest presents the Backyard Stadium at the Mansion 54, which is down on 4th Street downtown. Uh, Starting time is 12 to 7. There's a $20 donation to benefit a local charity chef for kids and there's going to be all kind of uh alcohol people there so we've got the demon run bikini contest and in this contest the winner will represent demon run rum at the nfl hall of fame induction in canton ohio in august of 2021 uh first place winner will receive a thousand dollars second place 350 third place 250 celebrity guests include Barbara Moore of Baywash and the 1992 Playmate. Uh, Sharon Winters, iconic cat girl in TV films and actresses. Bob Golick, defensive tackle of the L.A. Raiders. Uh, great guy. Bob Golick's an awesome guy. I've had him on the show. Uh, Greg Townsend, Super Bowl champ, all-time sack leader for the Las Vegas Raiders. Another great guy. And Willie Galt, Super Bowl champ and Olympic athlete. So, uh FanFest Las Vegas, we have Demon Run, Embajador, Tequila, Double Cross, Vodka, Modella, and Corona will all be in attendance at this event. Again, so on April 16th, if you're in town, don't hesitate to stop by the Mansion 54 down on 4th Street, downtown Las Vegas, and have a good time. I'll be there. Uh, We're planning on doing a live broadcast from there. So 
Uh, Coach's Corner will be coming live from there. So in some other news that we want to talk about, it is Friday. Uh, Kevin Kruger has announced his first acquisition of a player. So this is from Sam Gordon of the Review Journal. Former West Virginia point guard Jordan McCabe fielded phone calls from basketball coaches across the country when he entered the NCAA's transfer portal. One of the first was from UNLV coach Kevin Kruger. He said that there's probably going to be thousands of players in the transfer portal and that I was the first one he called. McCabe said Coach Kruger put all his faith in me when he did that for me. In return, I'm going to give him everything I have mentally, physically, all the way up and down the board. So McCabe on Thursday became the first player to commit to Kruger since he took over as head coach. Uh, he announced it via Twitter that he's coming to Vegas to play. He spent the last three seasons at West Virginia and will have two years of eligibility remaining. He was also considered considering Wisconsin, Grand Canyon, and Northeastern uh, University. So one of the things that uh, Kevin Kruger needed to get in this first recruiting class, he needs a point guard. Yeah, you got Marvin Coleman coming back. Marvin Coleman is kind of a steady Eddie guy. Um, so it's good to have at least one more backup as TJ Otzelberger, and I, I will never understand this, never had a backup for him. Um, he was playing Nick Blake, 6'5", at the point. Uh, Nick Blake's not a point guard. Uh, so it was unfair to the kid to play him in that position. So um, in some other news that uh, has an effect on Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Chargers, this is interesting. It's from ESPN.com. Sister of Los Angeles Chargers controlling owner Dean Spanos petitions court to put the team up for sale, put up a portion of the team for sale. Sorry. The sister of of Los Angeles Chargers controlling owner Dean Spanos is petitioning California court to put up one-third of the team's ownership stake for sale. Dia Spanos Barbarian filed a petition Thursday in L.A. Superior Court intending that the mounting debt from the franchise is creating an estimated yearly loss of at least $11 million for the family trust. Uh, according to the petition, trust had debts and expenses of $353 million as September 30th. Nearly half of that, uh, $164 million, seven and some change, is due to the trust investments in the Chargers. Uh, the trust stake in the Chargers makes up 83% of the trust holding, so pretty significant. You don't want that kind of drain on your trust if uh, you're losing those that kind of dollar. So um, the following includes a letter in which Dean Spano said he would hire an investment bank that would allow any member of the family to sell his or her stake. Barbarian said in the petition that would be too long. Uh, every day that passes increases the risk of the charitable beneficiaries and the Spano's family legacy will suffer irreparable financial and reputational damage, the filing said. Spanos, Barbarian, Alexandria Spanos Rule, and Michael Spanos each own 50% of the franchise, with 36% managed by the family trust and the remaining 4% owned by non-family members. Spanos and Barbarian were left as co-trustees of the trust following the deaths of Alex and Faye Spanos in 2018. Um... So Forbes valued the Chargers at $2.6 billion. And that some of that is because of moving into SoFi Stadium. 
Uh, the trust share could be worth nearly $850 million after Daniel, Daniel Snyder bought, recently bought the remaining 40.5% of his minority partner stake in the Washington football team for $875 million. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Chargers. Uh, so it says the Chargers also moved into SoFi last year, expect revenues to increase once fans are allowed. So the Spanos family kind of up in arms about losing money to their family trust, uh, which I can see no problem. So you're listening to Coach's Corner on the Highway Radio Network, brought to you by the Casper Mike Old Town Casino in Mesquite, Nevada. The $5,000 March Money Madness is in full effect, and that's not all. You could also win a golf or spa getaway at Casablanca Resort in Mesquite. With golf and spa packages starting at only $99, Casablanca Resort is the perfect place to get your golf game going or relax the weekend away in their luxurious spa. Enter the $5,000 Money Madness sweepstakes, and not only could you win the cash, but also your chance of a golf or spa getaway at Casablanca Resort. Enter now at highwayradio.com. And welcome to Coach's Corner. And we have an outstanding guest on the show uh, from UNLV, Ashkan Salamat. Uh, Professor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for the kind introduction and thank you for having me. No, no, our pleasure. I mean, I'm just, I'm just reading this so... You have a collaborative partner in a uh, professor from Rochester, University of Rochester, right? And um, That's right. Yep. And both of you are working on, and this is, like I told you before, we got, we got going here. This is unbelievable what you're working on. Thank you. I mean, you're talking um, about super con- conductivity that does not have to be super cold to almost, you know, absolute zero. I mean, and for people to know what absolute zero is, that's the temperature when every all molecules stop moving, minus 273 degrees Celsius. That's pretty cold, number one. Um, so, I mean, in the past, to do su- superconductivity, you had to have a very low temperature, correct? That's right. So these you know, superconductors are very special types of materials. These are quantum materials, and often quantum quantum things only really exist at very low temperatures. For a long time, it was thought that these materials could only exist at low temperatures. And um, Dr. Ranga Diaz, my, my brother from another mother, and, and myself have <laughs> been working on this problem for a while. And we've been able to demonstrate that you can have this remarkable quantum state uh, at room temperature. I mean, that that in of itself is amazing, number one. Um, because Because the implications of this whatever discovery that you've made, I mean, the simple ones are like, like I was just saying, the U S energy grid, um, when energy gets transferred through the, through cables or when you plug your whatever in there's resistance, correct? In resistance, you lose part of that energy. Is that correct? Absolutely. So the way our electricity grid works at the moment is we, we pass current through metallic wires that's mm-hmm. aluminium and some of this energy is lost to heat right now that doesn't seem like a, a lot but over the whole u.s grid we lose about five to eight percent of that energy and that amounts to about 30 billion dollars a year of loss <laughs> um and so what's one of the remarkable properties of these superconducting materials are 
that they have zero resistance to electrical current, and so there is no energy loss. So if you can imagine a future where the whole of our grid is transformed into a superconducting grid, then these losses are, are, are lost, are, are no longer present, and the other capabilities and possibilities are really endless. I mean, in the example that is cited as a, you know, a solar farm in southwest U.S. to transport energy to the East Coast with no loss at all, no loss of energy, correct? Absolutely. I mean, this is what makes it so exciting. As you can tell from my accent, I'm not from around here, but <laughs> uh, one of the exciting factors of being out here is that, you know, we're one of the sunniest places on Earth. Right. And we're actually quite limited at the moment. We can produce a lot of solar energy, but we can't store it properly without having huge batteries and so on. So not only can these superconducting materials eventually allow us to transport energy across the whole of the North America and beyond, we can we can store energy in superconducting coils. And so getting energy out to the rest of the United States is important, but being able to store excess energy and to use it at a time when it's necessary is also a very powerful development that could come from this kind of discovery. Well, and the perfect example would have been what happened in Texas last month. Absolutely. I mean, there's other issues surrounding that 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 case, but right. An ability to have I just a, mean in, in simplistic terms. I mean, you 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 have a loss today. You can't do that, but. With this this type of technology, it'd be like okay, we probably you probably just flip a switch, correct? Boom, done. Yes, I mean, in on the fundamental science point, it's totally doable. You know, driving that into technology is, is the name of the game now, and it's, it's a very exciting time to be a part of this. Yeah, I mean, in the other example they cited was like an MRI machine. It says which currently needs liquid helium to operate. Um, you could create an yeah. MRI machine that uses this technology that doesn't need the liquid helium and basically they, they would be portable, correct? Exactly. I mean, that's a really good thing to point on. So at the moment, uh, MRI machines operate liquid helium spot on. That's four Kelvin, about the same temperature as outer space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you could make these mater- these materials that allow you to make MRI machines, I mean, we could allow much poorer countries to have MRI machines. You could imagine on a, on a, on an active military, pardon me, um, out on war, just places where you, you have to get to injured people immediately, you can have portable devices. It, it's And we, we as a planet, we are running out of helium. It's something we don't often talk about in, in generally, but we're about to run out of helium as a planet. So having technology that allows us not to use helium is going to be critical in the coming decades. That, 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 again, that's totally amazing. So now, in theory, now correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, I'm just a simple basketball coach here. This this technology put into just any general electronic device that you have would make it, number one, run more efficiently, correct? Yes. But would it, but would it also require less energy to run it? Uh, absolutely. So... A limiting factor at the moment for a lot of our electronics is that they get hot. Right. The resistance in the materials mean that you generate heat, the material gets hot, it ruins the efficiency, uh, there's other complications involved. And so, again, you could imagine you know, a tomorrow's world where a lot of our circuitry was made from superconducting materials. 
So there'll be no heat loss, no heat dissipation. Plus, superconducting materials can make, you can make crazy quantum stuff. So there's a whole new world of computing out there for us to explore and, and try and immerse ourselves into. Well, right off the top of my head, supercomputers are in rooms that have to be really cold to operate efficiently, correct? Yes. Yes. So right, yes. you could basically, in theory, build a new supercomputer in a, in a room temperature room. I've had it operate in a regular room, correct? Yes. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the exciting thing here is we can go beyond computers. Super com we can now start exploring quantum computers. Okay. So Google most recently made the first ever quantum computer that did a calculation that you couldn't do classically. And these are computers the size of very big rooms that have to run at one Kelvin, incredibly complex uh, instrumentation that, you know, it took the whole power of Google to run. Again, you can imagine a world where soon we would have homemade, um, home use quantum computers. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a crazy time coach. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a very nice time to be a scientist. Now we can start really letting our imaginations uh, be unbound and, and think what we can conjure up for the future. Now, are you currently working with any of the federal agencies on this technology? Uh, I have, I'm a recipient of the Early Career Award from the Department of Energy. So mm -hmm. that has funded a lot of my, my work so far. Um, I'm, as always, actively trying to excite people about how amazing UNLV, UNLV is and how remarkable Nevada is. And so... I've had a lot of attention, a lot of interest. We're trying to do what's best for the campus and really grow a center here that can transform the state into into a, a technological hub. Oh yeah, like I said, this is this is a game changer. I mean, in you know normal terms, um, but you know way beyond that. I mean, it, this is um, like I said. I mean, I'm just I I can't think what this wouldn't affect. It would affect almost everything, correct? Everything electronic, anything to do with trans, uh, transmission grids. A good analogy is, you know, the first transistor was made in the early 50s, maybe the late 40s. Those people who made the transistor could never imagine where we have got to today with oh. computing. And so it's a similar, it's a similar era. We're, we're right at the beginning of all of this. It's exciting. I mean, it, it, it's, it's going to be very transformative. Um, I, I'm, I'm as excited as you are. I'm trying to play it cool here. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I think this is this is this is like you said, the just the. I mean, you're talking light years as far as you know technology compared to, um, you know. Where where we where we've been, as you said, with like the transistor to, you know, to what you're talking about. I mean, that's just light years away. I mean, and you're you're doing it. That's the scary part. You're doing it right now. Yeah. What can I say? I mean, <laughs> standing on the shoulder of giants, right? There've been some remarkable uh, scientists along this journey that have allowed us to make the discoveries that we've made today so yeah no that this is this is like totally amazing and then like i said this is one of the reasons why we want to you know talk to the faculty at unlv because there's so many so many outstanding things going on at unlv 
I mean, to this point, I was like totally enthralled with the professor that's working on the NASA Mars rover. This makes this look like nothing. Come on. <laughs> you know, I'm like. We, yeah, we have remarkable colleagues. I have remarkable colleagues here at UNLV. You know, there's, there's a certain talent pool here that's second to none. And uh, my colleagues in the geology department, Libby Housewrap and uh, Aria Audrey, they've done some amazing work with the NASA probe. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mars. And so I'm just trying to keep up with those ladies, really. You know, I have to bring my out. They set the bar high, so I have to follow through with this. So. Well, well, you're doing a good job. You're doing a really good job. So um, I'd like to be able to follow up with you maybe in like six months and kind of see where you are with this. You know, is that okay? Absolutely. Uh, things are moving quick for us. We're very excited about new developments in the lab. And so I'd be very excited to share that with you and your listeners. Oh, no, this is, like I said, this is outstanding. And uh, as I said, uh, you know, with UNLV getting that tier one research uh, status, uh, Carnegie Research Research One status, I mean, I, I was at UNLV from 1981 to 2000. Um, you know, back in the, when I first came there, it was 9,000 students. The city was 175,000 people, um, you know, and it's just grown exponentially to this point. Um, and, you know, the university, as you said, you have some great colleagues, and this is one of the things that we want to try to highlight the the outstanding people that we have, and you're you're just one of those. So we really appreciate you coming on the program, um, Dr. Ashkan Salamat, uh, assistant professor of physics and astronomy at UNLV. Thank you for coming on the show. This this is totally mind blowing for me. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. <laughs>